Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, a podcast that's all about comic book movies, brought to you by filmdivider.com. I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are James Hunt and Sarah Dobbs. So yes, Seb is away this week looking after his newborn baby, but we have a special guest host here. Uh, Sarah, it is lovely to have you with us. Um, Do you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and the film that we will be discussing today? Yeah, cool. Um, So I'm Sarah and I'm a film journalist and horror fan and uh, I'm here because we're going to talk about Ghost Rider and um, I completely unironically loved Ghost Rider, um, (laughs) even though no one else in the world does. So (laughs) yeah, um, yeah, basically I, I watched it again this week and I'm very, very aware that it's a deeply flawed movie, but there's just (laughs) something about it that I still love um i think it might actually be entirely nicholas cage <laughs> but i guess we can uh, we can talk about that later uh, that would also be entirely fair um <laughs> so yeah this week we'll be discussing mark stephen johnson's 2007 film ghost rider which makes mark stephen johnson the first director we featured twice on the podcast because he was the uh, mastermind behind daredevil um but as well as that we'll also be discussing the latest comic book and tv news as usual but before any of that I'm going to ask James to explain a comics concept that as movie fans, Sarah and I just don't understand. So James, this week, I just want to ask you to explain Spider-Gwen, everything about her. Who is Spider-Gwen? How does she exist? Because I hear she's she's pretty great. Yeah, she is. The short version is the current Spider-Man writer did a story that united Spider-Men from every uh, different alternate universe. And as part of that, they created a load of new characters and one of the ideas they sort of threw out there was what if Gwen Stacy was Spider-Man and Peter Parker was the one who died and so so it's in a separate universe yeah but obviously she's met the real Spider-Man because she crossed they all like met up in one sort of dimension hopping story and yeah it's just it's like it's a really good concept for a female spider character spider hero like she's in a band with Mary Jane it's it's really cool and so in this other universe, so Peter Parker's dead, but is Peter Parker, did Peter Parker die in the same circumstances that Gwen Stacy died in the main Spider-Man no, continuity? I think, I've only read the first issue because I'm waiting for it to get collected, but right. I think what happened was he became the lizard and then she fought him and he died at the end. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and did Gwen Stacy get the same, get her powers in the same way? As I recall, yes. 
Wow. And and how long has that been going on? So is that what, the the crossover story that you're talking about? Is what was that? That was called Spider Verse. Uh, it happened quite recently. It was okay. probably about six to eight months ago when it finished. So like post Superior Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. It was it was the story that came after that basically. So if I was to go read Spider Gwen, I would read Spider Verse and then the Spider Gwen title. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I might just do that, James, because I keep <laughs> hearing people talk about her, and she sounds really great. I think they're going to bring her into the proper Marvel universe after Secret Wars, so it'll be a good time to jump on it. I'm actually tempted by this. I might get on board. <laughs> it is. It's such a good idea. Like The only good thing about the Amazing Spider-Man films is that they could potentially get Emma Stone to play Spider-Gwen, and that would be perfect. Also, I love that the comic is called Spider-Gwen. <laughs> no, no secret identity like in, going on. Obviously, there. in she's—I I can't remember if she's Spider Girl or Spider Woman in the comic. H- having it titled Spider Gwen is just hilarious. Yeah, and the costume is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, everything's great. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks for that, James. Um, we'll move on now to our first section, which is this week's comic book, movie, and TV news. And we'll kick off with the news that the Captain America Civil War cast has been announced. And it is as follows. Should I go for actors or characters? It's probably more fun to do characters, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we've got Iron Man and Captain America, obviously. And then we've got Black Widow. We've got the Winter Soldier. Falcon. The Vision. Hawkeye. War Machine. Scarlet Witch. Ant-Man. Black Panther. Sharon Carter. Baron Zemo. Crossbones. General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. And Martin Freeman as unnamed character. And also, when that when it is cast, Spider Man, Sarah, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come to you first. Um, okay. Are you excited for Avengers two point five? I'm. I would say I'm almost definitely not gonna watch it. <laughs> <laughs> this this would be a good way. Tell us what is your general approach to superhero properties. Are you are you do you watch any of the films in the Marvel universe? I like Spider-Man. <laughs> I watch the Spider-Man movies. I will fight James about Amazing Spider-Man because I quite <laughs> liked both of them. So part of me is tempted because of the Spider-Man thing. What, what about really six, 16-year-old Spider-Man? Are you on board with that? Yeah, I'm on board with Spider-Man in basically any <laughs> possible version. So <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe give it a go. But the, the presence of everyone else in that movie puts me off. um james what about you does does that cast list get you excited i just i feel exhausted just listening to it there are there are a lot of characters there aren't there yeah like i mean we've discussed this on email but i just i feel like the problem with avengers is that it was overstuffed and i can't see how putting all these characters into a solo captain america film will do it any justice like unless because they're doing civil war all i can think is everyone's going to get thrown in prison right at the start and then they'll be released at the end for a big fight, which, okay, fair enough. But I don't see it doing justice to Captain America or any of the other characters they're just sort of throwing in there. I think as long as as long as that film does Captain America justice and then you've kind of got his relationships with Iron Man, the main villains in the film, and the Winter Soldier, I think as long as you get those characters right and you get those character dynamics right... The rest of the characters can just be background dressing. I mean, and it seems weird to say that for characters like <laughs> Spider-Man and Black Panther and Vision and whatever, but you've basically got this amazing poster for a movie where, like, can you can you really see Paul Rudd being in that movie for more than a scene? 
I think Paul Rudd is going to be the person whose superheroing goes so wrong that they have to register superheroes. <laughs> just just in a really in a really meta sense, like Ant Man is such a catastrophe <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to blame him for everything wrong with the Marvel Cinematic like, Universe. In, in the comic version of Civil War, what happens is some teen superheroes kind of provoke a villain and he blows up a school by accident, like while trying to get to them, and so they go, "Oh, we better register all superheroes." I think this would be a good point, actually, James, to read the synopsis that also came with this casting okay, announcement. Okay, I haven't seen this, so... Uh, so it says, Captain America Civil War picks up where Avengers Age of Ultron left off. Not where Ant-Man left off, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> as Steve Rogers leads the new team of Avengers in their continued efforts to safeguard humanity. After another international incident involving the Avengers results in collateral damage, political pressure mounts to install a system of accountability and a governing body to determine when to enlist the services of the team. The new status quo fractures the Avengers while they try to protect the world from a new and nefarious villain. Yeah, so probably what happens is Paul Rudd briefly joins the Avengers, does something stupid, and then the rest of them are left to deal with it. And he is is presumably dead. Oh, poor Paul Rudd. (laughs) Squashed like an ant. Okay, let's move on now to our second bit of news, which is TV related. And this is kind of a superhero TV show roundup because we found out about a number of shows that have been renewed, one that's been cancelled, a number of new shows that have been picked up and um, a new show that we thought would be picked up that hasn't been. So let's start, start off with the returning shows. We've got Gotham. The Flash, Arrow, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., James is delighted, Agent (laughs) Carter, uh, which we're all delighted, Powers and iZombie are all shows that are going to be coming back next year for second seasons. To add to Daredevil, I guess, which we knew is getting a second season. Do any of you watch any of those already? Sarah, have have you watched any of those shows? Oh, stop coming to me. I know. <laughs> not a single one of them. Sorry. I haven't even heard of iZombie. I don't even know what it is. You might like iZombie, actually. James, tell Sarah about iZombie. Uh, I haven't watched the TV series, but I can tell you the comic is about someone who works in a mortuary and she has to, like, she's a kind of zombie who has to eat a brain a month to stay alive or something. And when she does that, she gets all the memories of the person whose brain she's eating and then she goes and solves a crime based on it so it's basically true calling but with brain eating well i've yeah, heard possibly. i've heard it's basically zombie veronica mars <laughs> isn't that what we just said possibly <laughs> sarah is a horror fan that you know i zombie uh, maybe i don't <laughs> know it's not it's not thrilling me let's be honest what about agent carter because we we reviewed agent carter on this show and um james fair to say that we're both happy that agent carter's coming back more Haley atwell I'm, more I'm ecstatic that agent carter is coming back because that was great and less so agents of shield which is not getting its spin-off that is the that is the show that has not been picked up the agents of show spin-off that was gonna be i always forget it's lance hunter and mockingbird right Yes. Not Nick Blood. Nick Blood is the comic book name that is actually the name of the actor. Yeah. Nick Blood is his genuine, actual, potential stage name. (laughs) Maybe that's his real name, and maybe at some point he will turn into Adam X the Extreme. I hope Nick Blood is his real name and that he is also a vampire, because Nick Blood is a great name for a cockney vampire. (laughs) James, how do you feel, uh, briefly, without lambasting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too much, about there being more S.H.I.E.L.D. but not, not that show? Without lambasting... (laughs) <laughs> I am not going to watch any more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ever in my entire life. <laughs> but it, at least it's going to be keeping hold of the two characters that you liked. Yeah, I would have 
I would have watched their spin-off. That's too much lambasting. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the new superhero shows that are coming. Oh, and Constantine's been cancelled, but I think we all knew Constantine was going to be cancelled. Um, yeah. So that's that's gone. Apparently they're trying to shop it to new networks, but it's dead. It's, it's dead. But yeah, so the, the new shows that are that have been picked up that are going to be getting series are Supergirl, uh, Lucifer, Legends of Tomorrow, which is the name for that spin-off from Flash and Arrow, Preacher, which we knew was coming, and then Heroes Reborn, which is a, oh. a, a reboot of the Heroes franchise. Well, I think from previous episodes of this podcast, listeners would know that we're kind of excited for Supergirl and for Preacher, and that... Seb read a draft script of Lucifer and said it was one of the worst things he'd ever read. But James, how are you feeling about uh, uh, Heroes Reborn? Here's the thing about Heroes. Like, the concept I really enjoyed, and I I love the first season. The only thing I didn't like about season one was that they left Siler alive when he was clearly supposed to die at the end of it. I would have liked Siler to to have eaten Peter Pacelli's brain. That would have been fine too. Yeah. But, you know, season one was good, season two was a bit worse, season three was worse, and season four was unwatchable. Oh, you got to season four. You're the guy. I was reviewing it for Den of Geek. <laughs> and if you think my Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. reviews are scathing, just go back and find some of those. <laughs> oh, a crossover would make me so happy. Just for you, James. <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in summation, I am intrigued by Heroes of Born, but I'm not going to watch it until, like, three episodes have come out and people have decided whether it's good or bad. And then Legends of Tomorrow, which is this Flash Arrow spin-off, which... So it's I think it's probably going to be led by Brandon Routh. And you've just got to be happy on some level that the guy who was once Superman now has his own TV show um, leading a bunch of other superheroes. I, I'm hoping it's going to be like a step-by-step of, you know, here are the pitfalls to avoid, fellow superheroes, if you want <laughs> to become a legend of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's going to have characters like Hawk Girl and Rip Hunter and Katie Lotz is presumably returning as some version of Black Canary and it, I, I'm not sure whether that has any comic book precedent. I mean, it kind of sounds like a Brave and the Bold TV show to me, which is sort of DC's all-purpose B-lister team-up series. You know, I, I never really got into sort of Arrow and Flash and all the kind of DC TV shows. Hmm. Um they're good. They're definitely better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I can believe that. It's just I, I committed myself to Marvel when I was a teenager and I sort of stick on that side of the fence. But yeah, I think it's a good idea and it, it clearly fits with what they've been doing with their other TV shows. So I think, you know, for people who are fans of it, it's it's going to be good. And interestingly, although it's on a different network to Flash Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl comes from the same producer. So you know, it's CBS and the CW who have, you know, some corporate ties. So that, that could potentially be another another part of that universe uh, should the two networks want it to be. Yeah, I mean, it didn't stop Buffy and Angel crossing over, did it? Okay, so out of Supergirl, Lucifer, Legends of Tomorrow, Preacher and Heroes Reborn, Sarah, if I had to forcibly sit you down in front of one of those shows to watch at least the first episode, what would you be most likely to sit and watch? Based on the title, Lucifer, I know literally nothing about what it might be. Oh, so that is Tom Ellis, him off of Miranda. Um, oh, it, who is like playing the devil, but but as like a procedural cop fighting like supernatural crime in modern New York. I'd probably watch that. That sounds alright. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that that wraps up this week's comic book and TV news. Uh, let's move on now to the moment that 
you're all waiting for, but mostly that Sarah has been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk us some Ghost Rider. Uh, but before we dive in, let's listen to the original trailer for the movie. You should be taking a dirt nap after that ragdoll today. I got lucky. Luck don't cover it, JB. You got an angel looking after you. Maybe it's something else. The story goes he made a deal to save someone he loved. He would be normal during the day, but at night, in the presence of evil, the rider takes over. Right, so that was the trailer for Ghost Rider. We'll uh, launch now into our spoiler-filled discussion of the film. And so this this movie kicks off, as I think we can all agree, as all movies should, with Sam Elliott narration. He plays the caretaker here, and he narrates the story of an Old West Ghost Rider who rode around on a horse and made some deal with the devil. And did any of that make sense to you when you were watching it the first time? It made sense to me because, you know, it's the story of the Ghost Rider, so obviously I was expecting it. I, honestly, I think I just, every time I forget that it's there, I, I just sort of start the movie like, oh yeah, there's this bit, okay. <laughs> sort of sk- skip to Nick Cage. <laughs> it comes back to me important later yes. on. Although I'm not sure whether it does, but I think the film <laughs> thinks it, it, it is important later on. <laughs> Yeah. Is that fair to say? That is fair. He doesn't really contribute much. Later we will find out that Sam Elliott is also a ghost rider. He is that ghost rider from the start. He was narrating his old his own story. And he gets a flaming skull for one last time and rides his ghost horse with ghost rider into the desert and then turns his ghost horse off and says, uh, actually, that was the last time I can ever do that. I'm going to go off and die now. The thing is, it's awesome. It is. That scene's great, like, isn't it? The when thing, they're, when they're it? riding together. Yeah, the actual like, two ghost riders riding is brilliant. And then they just get there and he's like, okay, see ya. You're like, oh, all right, And bye. you're like, oh no, I really wanted Sam Elliott to fight as well. This yeah. is like this is part of the thing about Ghost Rider is that he is a better visual than he is a character. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so once we get past that opening sequence, the, the movie opens properly with a young Johnny Blaze and he is he's kind of a carny there's him and his dad um brett cullen and they are doing stunt rider stuff in a circus and he is in love with a young girl who will grow up to look like eva mendes and then he finds out that his dad has cancer and because his dad has cancer peter fonda arrives (laughs) (laughs) and peter fonda is the devil now they're about to do a deal with each other but before before i ask you about the deal and how that goes down what do you think of the Peter Fonda devil? <laughs> I'm not. Sh- I'm, I'm not sure really. Um, it doesn't really. He's not really in it much until he makes a deal, is he? Doesn't he just show up and say, "Hey, here's my contract." Well, so he walks. He walks through the circus <laughs> with like lights flickering off around him, yes. and then looks at a circus devil and makes a funny quip. Um, <laughs> 
I actually I listened to the commentary of this movie, and Mark Stephen Johnson said the reason that he want he really wanted Fonda for the role was because this was a movie that was about a motorcycle rider, and that he thought wouldn't it be cool to have the ultimate motorcycle ride uh, oh, motorcycle cool. movie icon, the guy from Easy Rider, as his devil? And actually, the bike that Johnny Blaze is riding at, at various points in the film, particularly the one that Peter Fonda looks at and says, "Hey, cool bike," is the Easy Rider bike, just repainted and retooled. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very subtle <laughs> reference, is it? It's not very subtle if you know the reference. Well, yeah. I sort of think as like as a version of the devil, he's not really anything we haven't seen before, is he? He's just a sort of man in black, generic old devil. Like, you get a lot of... <laughs> I mean, Sarah probably knows more than I do, but I feel like I've seen this version of Satan quite quite often. Sarah, talk to us about Satan. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Satan. Um, yeah, he's. I think that's why I'm kind of struggling to come up with anything. He just, he's just, he's just a slightly creepy old dude, and just you know, that's all, all he is really. There's not really any <laughs> any nuance to that. I kept getting the feeling that he was filming his scenes on his own like <laughs> it would cut to peter fonda and he would be talking and looking vaguely in the direction of where another character would be stuck but i never really believed he was on set with anyone else yeah. oh maybe they just had him for like one day just like we can only afford you for a day stand over there do all your scenes have you have you ever seen silent hill where they have that whole subplot with sean bean and he never interacts with <laughs> any of the other characters yes it's amazing okay so uh, one of the problems i have with the film well i'm not quite sure whether it is a problem and i'd like you guys to resolve this for me whether i should be annoyed about this as well so when the devil arrives he basically offers johnny blaze young guy with nick cage prosthetic nose um (laughs) he offers him a deal which is like if you sign if you sign away your soul generically give me your soul um i will cure your dad's cancer and he will be as healthy as a horse he says um and johnny kind of looks at him like who is this guy i don't know whether to take him seriously takes the contract to read the contract and have a look at it gets a paper cut on the contract a drop of blood falls onto it and that is good enough for the devil to say he's signed (laughs) yeah now the question I want to ask is, do you think it matters that, that Johnny never makes that decision for himself? For the arc that he goes on in this movie, should he have to make the decision himself? Or, or is it more appropriate that actually he doesn't get a choice in the matter, that it's almost luck that, that goes against him? I I have a strong opinion that he really should be making the deal himself because the whole point of the Ghost Rider curse is that he brought it on himself and that's why he feels burdened by it rather than trapped by it. You don't get Ghost Rider stories where he spends his time trying not to be the Ghost Rider because, you know, it's his fault that he's in this circumstance. And I, I mean, if there was a good lawyer around, he probably could have gotten out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> that was my way of thinking because I was reading early on this and th- th- literally the scene before this is him having a discussion with his dad about making good choices and you know you've always and the, the film is ba- basically saying to you at that point look it's about choice it's about choice which is why i was so surprised that he didn't actually get to make one but sarah i just i don't know whether whether you agree with james but i think the the other point of view could be that if johnny doesn't get to make the decision at the start that the choice is taken out of his hands it potentially makes it all the more interesting and all the more powerful that by the time you get to the end of the movie that he is finally able to make a choice for himself and stick a middle finger up at the devil yeah that's exactly what i was going to say i think that the reason they did it that way is probably they thought it was a bit iffy to um have their hero make a deal with the devil like 
maybe parents won't be super cool with this. Um, but <laughs> given that, the deal with the devil kind of makes no sense anyway. The Faustian bargain is you make a deal with the devil, he gives you what you want, and but then he takes your soul, right? You know, that's the, that's the deal. Hmm. You're supposed to get yes. something that you want, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Like, you wouldn't be tempted if there's no upside. Um, so that's why I kind of... It's really annoying in the film, but as soon as the devil does um, cure his dad's cancer, his dad then immediately dies anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that in a twisted way. I, I do, but you sort of take a step back and go, well, hold on, this is just nonsense. Like... It, the film does sort of imply that the devil did that on purpose, like it was kind of a trick, like, ha-ha, yes. oh, yeah, his cancer, does. but no, he's does. dead anyway. Like, if he died just, um, you know, by accident, then it would be more ironic, I think. As it yeah. is, you just want to go, well, hang on, you've gone back on your part of the bargain, so I'm not holding up mine, because... And why would it benefit the devil to piss off Johnny? Because by that exactly. point, he's got his soul, and he wants him on his side to go and do his bidding. Yeah, he wants yeah. him to be his employee. This is very bad management. <laughs> he does talk about how like the Ghost Rider is his favourite son. Uh, Blackheart says that Ghost Rider is your favourite son or something. And it's like, yeah. well, he doesn't even come back to him for another sort of 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And he hasn't yeah. had one for 150. And he can have two at the same time, clearly. So. <laughs> yeah, he can. People have can. more than one son. They... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish my son was either Sam Elliott or Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Even if they were that much older than me, it would just make me inordinately happy. Um, <laughs> and also, the, the death of Johnny's father is terrible. He's, yeah. dri- he's driving up a ramp and then kind of slips over... And then there is like a big bang that you hear off screen. You're like, "What has caused that bang?" I'm not. I'm not sure. And then you come back, and Johnny's dad is just laying on his back. And it's like <clears throat> dead. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's not like they didn't have any budget for effects in this film, is it? You see, I I watched the whole film, seeing these like VFX moments, and I actually wrote down there was like a number of occasions where. Like, the opening title sequence, as soon as that started, I'm like, oh, this is potentially interesting, and where, where are you going to go with this this CG? And it doesn't go anywhere, so it just ends up looking like an old Windows 95 screensaver. <laughs> um, and, then, and then there is the, the first time that Ghost Rider rides through the city, and you get that cool, like, light warping effect. And then it goes into, like, clunky wide shots that don't look very cool. The same thing when Blackheart arrives for the first time and you see the storms and stuff and you're thinking, oh, this is cool. And then Blackheart arrives and you go, oh, God, what have you done with the CG on his face? That looks terrible. And he does this weird, weird look into the camera. There was loads of moments like that where I was going, oh, you've, you've potentially got some great visual effects that just haven't really fully come together in a sequence. Specifically on the Blackheart moment when he's introduced, I was wondering, like, is Sarah, is it normal in horror films to aim scares directly at the camera? Yes. Okay. Because I wonder if that was a horror movie trope of let's get the audience afraid of this guy by sort of springing him in their faces. Yeah, it's just a really cheap jump scare, basically. Yeah, it just—it sort I mean, of felt a bit like a music video to me, rather than a. It's the kind of thing that they normally do at the very end of slightly crappy horror movies. Um, it's the, like the final before you walk out the door. Like, so <laughs> the film's over, or you think it's over, and then the demon like lunges at you, and you're like, "Oh, okay, I go home now, happy." It's Carrie's hand coming back up through the rubble, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's fair to say though that this movie, Sarah, you said you you kind of like it probably because you're a horror fan, but. Do, do, do you think the horror elements of this film are good? Some of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I do think that 
his arc does kind of work in the end. Like, yeah, it is um, initially a mistake, and then he accepts his darker side. And that's quite a cool... It's not a heroic journey, it's kind of the opposite. And, yeah, the whole yeah. just kind of having to fight a series of nasty demons... Uh, would be cool, except the elemental guys are really awful. Um, <laughs> I like how one of them, there's the like air guy and the water guy and the truck yeah. guy. Yeah, the truck guy. <laughs> like, he's got, technically he's got earth powers, but the only thing he does is hit Ghost Rider with a truck. Yeah, I think I've even forgotten him. I can, <laughs> I can remember the water guy and I can remember the wind guy, but I can't... Is he the one that he, he gets killed first? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. So there was something on the commentary about that character almost didn't get used because Spider-Man 3 was getting made at about the, around the same time and apparently Avi Arad said, no, no, he's too much like Sandman, you can't use him. That's ridiculous. And Ma- yeah, and Mark Stephen Johnson went, well, what if I use him but kill him first? Oh. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. make any sense, though, because, you know, obviously obviously Ghost Rider is the fire element, so then you just have your other three. Like, you can't just not... What we, You're going to put heart in there instead. Like, what, what doesn't work? <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> so, going back to that deal with the devil, um, I think that would be a good point, James. How how does this all compare to the comic books? <laughs> and, like, what is Ghost Rider's comic book history? Because I, I don't think I'd ever heard of him before this. Okay, um, his history is that he was created in the 70s when Marvel was sort of doing exploitation heroes. And they had a big sort of vein of horror comics. They sort of tried to do a superhero in the Marvel tradition of he's a good guy with a, you know, in this case, a literal curse. Yes. Like his powers aren't something he enjoys. And they sort of welded it to all these horror concepts that were popular at the time. I mean, he was sort of, he was originally created as a daredevil villain called Stuntmaster. And (laughs) like someone, I think it was Gary Friedrich came to Roy Thomas, who had created Stuntmaster and said, I want to do a motorcycle riding character called Ghost Rider. Like, can I introduce him instead of Stuntmaster or something? It was like, it's a really bizarre origin. Like it's from the days at Marvel where they were just chucking out ideas left, right and center with no sort of care for longevity or craft it was all like the immediate post stanley period does his origin from that reflect what his origin is here because i mean it's about it into very simple terms he makes a deal with the devil his dad then dies his powers then don't manifest for quite a number of years until the devil comes back and says actually now i need you to go and use them uh it's basically basically the same in that he makes uh, a deal with satan to save his stepfather he's more he's much more active in in the deal this time around like he literally says something like i posted the on the twitter feed the the two panel thing where he goes there's only one person i can turn to satan i've heard uh <laughs> heard stories of his miracles all my life and it's like what miracles satan like what the hell are you <laughs> you you know what book have you been reading <laughs> Uh, so, like, it's pretty hokey, to be honest. So he actually seeks out Satan in the comic and doesn't deal with it. Yeah, yeah, he's he's all for it. So he's more of an ostensibly bad guy. No, in that's the that's the crazy thing. He's not a bad guy. He just thinks, oh, I know who can help me, Satan. Like, he's right. not like a Satan worshiper. He just thinks. You know, there are people with the power to fix this, and it's Satan. I'll do a little ritual and have a chat. Okay, that's fascinating. <laughs> Going back to the film then, so when, when we finally meet Nicolas Cage, which I can I think we can all agree 
is a delightful thing to happen in any movie that stars Nicolas Cage the moment when Nicolas Cage arrives. And it kind of goes back to what I think are the themes of the film, are the, the idea of choice and agency, that Johnny is doing this stunt, this insane stunt, and he closes his eyes halfway through and he remembers all of the things that he lost before and the deal he made with the devil... And he's clearly plagued by not knowing whether his life is being... Whether he's having his strings pulled, whether all of these stunts that he does, whether he is responsible for pulling them off, or whether he's been kept alive by the devil. And this first stunt ends with, I think, the the coolest uh, visual effect in the movie, which isn't actually a visual effect. (laughs) It is... The Johnny lands and his bike flips over and the wheel hits him in his visor, which then shatters and he flies down the ramp into the back of the thing. And that really happened. A stuntman got hit in the face by a wheel. Wow. Honestly. Nice. Wasn't he okay? Was that, was that intentional? Or no, was it wasn't intentional. Nice. He got knocked out. He got knocked unconscious and Mark Stephen Johnson said that the, he spoke to the, the stunt driver afterwards and the stunt driver just said... That was awesome. Are you going to use it? So he did. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, I wonder what the I wonder what the actual like scripted thing was then. I think it's just that he fell. Just that he I fell. Don't, I okay. think that the the the, uh, the added bit is that his head hit the wheel. Yeah, I mean, which is it looks incredible. <laughs> uh, it's one of the best moments of the movie, it and it was an accident. It says a lot for CGI that the best thing in the film by some distance was an accident that was real. <laughs> But yeah, so jo- Johnny lands, and we are really introduced to him for the first time there. Nicolas Cage is Johnny Blaze. And Sarah, can you talk us through the scene with Nicolas Cage on the tour bus? Because it's incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, isn't he... He's sort of sitting, looking sad, while his his uh, entourage are kind of playing a video game of him, right? Yeah, yes. they're kind of playing yeah. a Johnny Blaze video game while Johnny Blaze is in the room. It's a little bit weird. Uh, he's then I think I should have watched this today. He, um, I think he's drinking jelly beans out of a martini glass, and he just wants to watch. <laughs> he is indeed. Uh, yeah, and then there's something he wants to watch um, a show about monkeys. monkeys. I think. There's multiple references yep. to him wanting to watch monkey videos in this movie, uh, <laughs> which I, yeah. I sort of wonder if that's in the script or was that? Did he talk in the commentary about this? Is it is it a cageism? He did. It's and it is amazing. It is a cageism. Amazing. So, um, essentially, and, and I'm not sure if you remember this detail from the scene that he is being offered alcohol by the other people on the on the thing, and he's like, "No, I'm fine with my jelly beans in yeah. my martini glass." And apparently, Nicolas Cage was he was on board before anyone else. Uh, they'd signed up Cage, and Mark Stephen Johnson came on board, and he said to him, basically, "Look, as far as I'm concerned, this is a guy who's living his whole life not knowing whether the devil is going to show up on at his door at any moment." He's got enough demons. He's not going to let other demons like alcohol or like, you know, bad living get into it. He's just going to, he just wants to do things that are lighthearted and fun because there is so much darkness inherently in his life. (laughs) So he loves monkey videos and he loves, and he loves drinking. Yeah. And the carpenters (laughs) and, and, and fun little monster movies and cartoons that he flicks past on the TV. To be fair, Um, you can enjoy all those things and get drunk. (laughs) (laughs) You can indeed. But it's great. There's that second scene where he's watching the video of the monkey doing karate or something and he's genuinely like cracking up over it yeah it's adorable it's a lovely cageism isn't it yeah the thing i like about the the drinking jelly beans is that he does it out of a martini glass yes so it's like it it's like it's high class or something (laughs) how do you drink your jelly beans (laughs) i don't know pint glass sure (laughs) 
More bang for your buck. Jelly beans in your glass. But again, again, you know, he's not going to do things to too much excess. He doesn't want to get like a, you know, stomach ache or something. Yeah. He's got enough problems in his life, James. <laughs> Dear <laughs> Satan and now stomach ache. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, you said you thought a lot of the things you liked about the movie were... Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Nicolas Cage. I think the the moments that Ghost Rider works, it's when Nicolas Cage works. Definitely. Um, that's true of any Nicolas Cage movie. Like, if you watch a bad Nicolas Cage movie, it's because <laughs> yeah. he's just kind of coasting and not there, like, just dead-eyed sleepwalk. Like, um, Bangkok Dangerous is one I'm thinking of. That's just really dull. Um, but this, he's just, he just seems so happy to be there in every scene. He's just giving he's it... He's engaged. Yeah. He's definitely exactly. engaged with the character. And then and, and we we get it very shortly afterwards where he meets adult Eva Mendes for the first mm. time. And I don't actually know whether this is true or not, but that interview scene with Eva Mendes and Nicolas Cage seemed to me like it must have been improvised by Cage. <laughs> I hope it's so. so weird. It's really weird. Yeah. It's wonderful. What do you think <laughs> of Nicolas Cage and Eva Mendes together? Do you... Uh, I, I wasn't sold that there was any chemistry there. Uh, to be fair, right, I don't think that Eva Mendes has chemistry with Nick Cage, but she really, she does a Nicolas Cage on the character of Roxanne. She does. Uh, she's she's wonderful as well. It's hmm. it's the bit where they're in the, where she's in the restaurant waiting by herself. Yes, and she's just getting more and more drunk. Yeah, yeah it could have been so She boring. randomly pulls a magic eight ball out of her purse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope Nicolas Cage gave her that. It's the thing that confuses me about this movie is that you have all these Cageisms and you have, you know, the the Roxanne character kind of buying into that as well. And all of that's there. And yet when it actually comes back to the plot mechanics of the movie <laughs> and the villains and actually doing the story, it doesn't seem to have any of that. You will have a throwaway joke, but then you will have a scene with Wes Bentley playing Blackheart. And all of those scenes will be completely straight faced, like generic genre stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure that's true. The scene of Wes Bentley confessing his sins in the church is not entirely straight-faced. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> I'm going to argue the case. I love Wes Bentley. I'm putting it out there. I, I, I love Wes Bentley. <laughs> well, I, I can like Wes Bentley. I'm just not sure I like him in this. <laughs> yeah, I think he is possibly not entirely engaged, um, sadly. And he has to spend most of his time on screen with those terrible elementals. 
yes, and most of his time on screen speaking in a voice that's enhanced and not entirely his and with crappy CGI over his face that makes it, it could have been anyone, but, you know. Let's go back to Eva Mendes, though. So, uh, like, I'm not, I'm not sure, I personally wasn't sure whether that, that relationship really worked, but I agree. I like all the moments that she's on screen together. And I just had to pass on another great um, anecdote from the commentary where Mark Stephen Johnson said that he went to quite a few places where like people were criticising him for the amount of Eva Mendes cleavage that was visible mm. in this film, which is, is quite a lot, right? It's quite a lot. Quite yeah. a lot. Now, Mark Stephen Johnson said that when he met with Eva Mendes for the first time, she kind of said, look, okay, so this character in the comics is blonde hair, blue eyes... You know, and I'm not that. She says, but if I put a little bit of weight on, you know, just a little bit, I'll get the boobs and I'll get the hips and, I, you know, you've got everything you want. And Mark Stephen John said, yep, that's exactly what I want. Do that. Wow. <laughs> so it's not an accident. This movie has Eva Mendes cleavage at every moment it can because they've all collaborated to make that so. Collaborated <laughs> is sort of the right word, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> He said, Eva, go off and eat a couple of extra chocolate bars in the next couple of weeks and we'll we'll make it work together. On the plus side, mm. I mean, that can't be a bad bad thing for your boss to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I would recommend any boss up and down the country to ever say it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe not. Okay, but that's that's good that we kind of, we all agree that the two main characters in this movie are good. We like yeah. them both. Yeah. Nick Cage, Eva Mendes, we're on board. The performance the is good. She's not really a main character, is she? She, because... The arc yeah. of his relationship with her is he's desperately in love with her, they're going to run away together, but they can't because this is not entirely clear, something to do with the devil, bad times. And then he meets up with her again and is struck by the fact that she's Eva Mendes, as he would be. Um, <laughs> and then just kind of, well, the devil again. And and so that's kind of the resolution is that, well, we, we couldn't be together then and we can't be together now. And, you know, see ya. It's a bit weird. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and also you can't come back for the sequel. Yeah, that sucked. the The sequel needed Eva Mendes. Let's let's talk about something we haven't talked about yet, which is Nicolas Cage, <laughs> Johnny Blaze becoming the Ghost Rider. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I I just want to. I'm just. I'm not going to say anything. I think about this sequence <laughs> or Johnny becoming Ghost Rider. I just want to ask you guys what what do you think of that scene? <laughs> I'm I'm into it. It's kind of got that slightly weird body horror thing of like something weird is happening to me and I don't know what the hell it is. And yes. Cage goes full insane laughter, which is wonderful, uh, obviously. So good. <laughs> You're kind of as the camera spins around him and keeps cutting away and keeps cutting back. You, I found myself just trying to see what was left of Nicolas Cage yes. under the CG yeah. as he was transforming. And you could see him in laughing maniacally. <laughs> Amazing. My only complaint with that sequence is that at some point it clearly cuts away and just suddenly you've got full CGI Ghost Rider. Yeah. Like I wanted to stick with it to the bitter end. I didn't want it to cut away. <laughs> I wanted it just to watch him, his skin burning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what I loved about that was that, yeah, I agree. I wish we could have seen more of Nicolas Cage, like we hadn't have cut away. But I loved the fact that he was simultaneously screaming in pain and also laughing maniacally. And the idea that Cage was fully aware that this was two characters coexisting. There was one who was going through a horribly traumatic experience and yeah. there was another one who was finally kind of Free. taking control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is which is great in that sequence. But what I wonder what you thought of it 
throughout the film, you've got Johnny and then you've got the Ghost Rider. And I was never quite sure what the kind of paradigm was between them. Like, how much of Johnny Blaze was present in the Ghost Rider? It's like in specifically in the comics it's never particularly clear i mean there are there are people tell stories about ghost rider occasionally where the ghost rider is a fully separate character and other times you get stories where he's influenced by what blaze is you know thinking and doing and he has some limited control over what he does and i think the film well the film definitely suffers from not making it explicit whether ghost rider is sort of his own independent being how did you think it worked in the movie sarah I'm trying to fit, like, I'm sort of putting this into a sort of Buffy framework. Like, is it, as we're initially led to believe, a sort of Angel Angelus thing where it's completely separate? Um, yes. Except then it will later turn out that it wasn't completely separate after all. <laughs> uh, it's it's not really clear because he does kind of, when he uh, becomes a ghost rider for the first time and wakes up in the graveyard, there's some line of dialogue that's like, yeah. He uh, doesn't remember you know. it happening. No, he sort of does remember it, but but sort of dimly. He kind of because yeah. I'm sure that the, the yeah. caretaker says something like, um, "Yeah, it wasn't a dream, and it really did happen, or something." Uh, didn't he says like, "Your bike looks normal, doesn't he?" Because he's aware. Yes. he remembers it. In case you're normal. wondering, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Nick, that was Rebel Wilson. You weren't imagining <laughs> it. That was Rebel Wilson." <laughs> that that also is one of my favourite scenes where she's talking to Eva Mendes. That is. Wonderful, and Nicolas Cage isn't even in that scene, and it's still brilliant. So, yeah, Rebel, you could you could totally see her being a part. Like, if if this had been made a couple of years later, a bigger part of the movie, that yeah. she she seems to fit this perfectly. She fits her giving that interview totally fits with the scene later on where, where Nick Cage is talking to Mendez and just says, "So at night, my head turns on fire, and I become a ghost rider, and I'm the devil's bounty hunter." <laughs> Yeah. It's just I'm not. I, we're not going to do that comic book movie trope about secret identities and trying to come up with an excuse. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you and see how you react. Um, and she reacts in the in the in the right way. Um, I thought that maybe that Johnny, yes, is kind. He's definitely aware of Ghost Rider, and that maybe that the the two characters almost kind of merged as the film went on. That the yeah. more time that they spent, the more each became like the other i think that's kind of the the point of the ending isn't it is that he instead of feeling burdened by it decides he's going to take control of this thing yeah and it, and particularly in that final act he is kind of he he knows that he needs the ghost rider to come out and all oh, like part yeah. of his body will turn into the ghost rider while he's still controlling yeah. it yeah the thing that i wonder about this is so that that scene where he wakes up in the graveyard and um Carter Slade, who I don't think you know is Carter Slade at that point, but kind of sews up his injuries um, for him. Why is yeah. he injured? <laughs> yeah, Cause especially because he gets shot full of holes <laughs> and he's fine when he turns back into Nick Cage. Yeah. So there's definitely it's a very like, good fight. You know, maybe when it was dawn and he stopped being the Ghost Rider, he sort of fell off his bike and hurt himself. That's the only maybe. way I can kind of make that okay. So Carter Slade, who, yeah, is Sam Elliott, and we later find out was the other Ghost Rider. So that kind of introduces um, a couple of things. First, this Western motif that is going on throughout the movie. And second of all, the fact that there can be more, that there are multiple Ghost Riders. Sarah, how did it work in the one Ghost Rider comic that you read? <laughs> tell, tell, us about, tell us about your experience with uh, Ghost Rider on the page. So I think... My thing with a lot of comics is there are there's there's so many of them you can't you know how do you jump into a character that's super established? 
So the, do you know what you do, of... Sarah? I'll give you some great advice. You set up a comic book movie podcast, and at the end of each episode, you get your comic book movie, your comic book loving friends to recommend you the ones you should read. Yeah, um, apart from work. that, I, I found it difficult for a number of years. This is what I had to resort to. <laughs> yeah. So the one, the one that I have read is the Art um, oh, James will know this. I don't know whether there was like a name for it. That it, it's a new generation of Ghost Rider. It's the um, the Robbie Ray's one. I think they did a. a several kind of reboots. I think there was a Silver Surfer one at the same time. Yeah, they've been quite a few Ghost Riders recently, but uh, I can't remember the volume that the Robbie Reyes one was, but it was it was fairly recent. It was like last few years, wasn't it? Yeah, it was super recent um, because the reason, part of the reason why I read it, apart from having affection for Ghost Rider because of Nicolas Cage, uh, yeah, is because I... the character design is based on um, a former member of One Direction. Yeah, I That's think sad, isn't it? There was a female Ghost Rider for a while, but I think this, the Robbie Reyes one, came after it. Okay, yeah, yeah. he is super recent. Uh, but annoyingly, I've only read the first issue as well. He's the one who so drives a car instead of a bike, isn't he? He does drive right? a car, yes. yes. Yeah, okay. Which makes sense, because Sam Elliott rides a horse. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that it's been well established that you can ghost ride anything you want. There's a ghost riding elephant, trust me. There's a ghost riding elephant? Yeah, there's a, an oh. Indian ghost rider who rides an elephant. It's awesome. That's amazing. I'm going to read that amazing. one. <laughs> and, wait, and so does Robbie Reyes arrive after Johnny Blaze has died, or is he just another coexisting ghost rider? Um, Johnny Blaze is still alive, but I think this is this is at the point in the comics where they've established basically anyone can be a ghost rider and you can have tons of them. Right. Yeah, I read a little bit about him online rather than actually reading the comics, because I'm <laughs> rubbish like that. But um, it's not the same demon he's got a different thing in him that makes him also a ghost rider so i guess he could coexist because if it's just a case of like shoving any old demon in someone and then giving him power power of hellfire then you know you could have lots so uh, the idea of putting a demon inside ghost rider (laughs) is that could that be why the devil's favorite son is the ghost rider it's not that he likes johnny blaze it's that he likes the demon that's inside him Oh, Maybe. it could be. I think he just likes Johnny Blaze because he does cool stunts. <laughs> he does. <laughs> also, when Nicolas Cage takes his shirt off in this movie... <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! I think How some CGI happened, didn't it? No, it's real. It's is all it real? Really real. It's all wow. real. Nicolas Cage is ripped to shit in this movie. <laughs> and yeah. rather than it being a standard movie shirtless hunky actor vanity scene, Nicolas Cage uses it to do skull impressions into the mirror. <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing. Nicholas Cage is amazing. Pulls his nose up. I do. <laughs> we... I do feel like we should point out that, like that, Nicholas Cage is a giant superhero nerd who wanted to play yeah. Superman. So, like, the yes. reason he throws himself into this role is because it's kind of wish fulfillment for him. Yeah. Didn't it? Didn't he pick Cage because of Luke Cage? That is. Yeah. That is true. His true, yeah. his stage name is Cage after Luke Cage, which is yeah. so cool. So what does Ghost Rider do beyond the thing that he does in this movie where he looks into people's eyes? Is this is this his thing? He looks into people's eyes, he makes them see all the hurt that they've inflicted on other people in their life, but all in one single moment, yes. and it kind of melts their brain. This is the penance stare, right. which uh, confronts people with their own evil. I love it. It's awesome. Like, <laughs> what's not to like about that? What's the effect on them afterwards? 
That's what I couldn't quite you, work if out. If you're evil, it basically destroys your mind. If you're not evil, you survive it. But that so that that guy that is mugging Rebel Wilson, he seems to like he definitely he blinks afterwards, so he's not dead. Yeah, he's but just his eyes you know, have turned to. He's in a sort of is he a vegetable? No, he's just in a state of shock, probably. Like it'll wear maybe off. because because his evil is not the like scale of Wes Bentley's. Yeah, evil. like it'll wear off, and then he'll <laughs> sort of maybe reconsider his life. I know we're not talking about the second movie, but um, sorry, there is a scene in the second movie where he warns off the mother of the potential Antichrist and says, um, basically, I'm going to turn into the Ghost Rider and he will see no difference between you and any of these other criminals, so get away from me because I will burn your soul out. Um, so I don't really know what to make of that, like, in terms of James yeah, saying that I they guess... get better afterwards. I guess in the film he's collecting souls for for the devil, isn't he? So you could argue yes. that when he does that, that's what he's doing. He's collecting them, yeah. Mm. yeah. That's the other thing that I slightly question about uh, Blackheart's plan, is that he's after this contract for this town that have all been so evil that the devil's desperate to get their souls. And I think they say that there's like a thousand of them. Um, and with yeah. these thousand souls, he's going to set up a new hell. But I feel like his maths is not very good because surely, like since the beginning of time, there've been so many more evil souls than that. Like he's going to set up like, like a, like a small hamlet of hell. Maybe. Let's be honest though, <laughs> not much of the villain plot makes much sense, does it? No. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was never kind of sold on that whole plot. I kind of just wanted more of the silliness. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's the problem, isn't it? Like the. The silliness is great, and the tone is great, and the visuals are hilarious, sometimes not intentionally, but, you know, you you have fun with all that stuff. And then there's this plot that just sort of plods along and just sucks the, sucks the joy out of every other scene. That's what I kind of mean, because uh, what I was saying before about how any time the villains turned up and the plot kinked into gear, that the kind of jokes seem to disappear, because... For a movie that has all that goofy stuff in the middle, the final act doesn't have any of like it doesn't it doesn't do the Joss Whedon-y stuff, which is let's you know let's puncture the action with funny moments. It's almost as if that Mark Stephen Johnson has a film that is going on, and that people around him have tried to make the rest of it more interesting, <laughs> but yeah. that his script just doesn't have space for it when he is delivering action. Yeah, yeah, it does seem like a very very basic sort of bare bones script that they've then embellished by applying Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Mark Stephen Johnson as a director knows how to to let his actors have fun and to let the people who are good at CGI be good at their job and that sort of thing. But he didn't have the story nailed down. Like, I do think he might have directed a good Ghostwriter script, but maybe if it was written by someone else. One of the things that I think he probably really brought to it was the uh, the idea of this being a Western. Sarah, wh- what did you think of the Western tribes in the movie? Because I thought they were some of the most interesting things about it in terms of that, you know, the parts of the plot that didn't have the jokes and the gags, that this at its heart was a Western movie. Yeah, Thinking about it now, I think maybe it could have been, but maybe maybe it needed a redraft. Maybe it needed someone else to polish mm. it up and figure out what they were actually doing. Because we've sort of picked holes in so many of it. It it all sort of just needed a bit of punching up, didn't it? It needed yeah. the plan to make more sense. It needed them to decide if they were going to do a sort of Western pastiche, they needed to sort of do it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's sort of everything just needed maybe to be done a little bit better. There are like um, there are slight ideas, aren't there? Like you know the the bad guy sending the slightly less bad guy into town to do his bidding. And yes. Yeah. 
And the final showdown is is just, you know, basically a shootout in the town square, isn't it? So. Yeah. Oh, God, if only Sam Elliott had been there. Because you're right, that scene when they're both riding up together and the the soundtrack is going, dun, 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 and it's properly, properly Western score at that point. Yeah. Uh, it's great. But I, I felt that as well, like that Mark Stephen Johnson was trying to remind me that he was doing Western stuff here. Mm. that he wasn't quite pulling it all together. Yeah, it doesn't all quite cohere. We can kind of pull out bits and go, oh, well, that's what they're doing there, but it doesn't quite... It doesn't become something else. You haven't kind of taken a Western and horror and comic books and whatever else and kind of joined them together to make something more. You've just kind of got, well, there's this scene which is like this, and then we're going to do that, and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't quite, doesn't quite work. I do love this film. <laughs> but actually, I you know will watch this film any time anyone wants to ever watch it because I just yeah. enjoy it. But yes, it's not perfect. It is almost for those moments, though, isn't it? It kind of reminds me, in a weird way, of um, Thor: The Dark World, which is a movie that is, I think, very clumsily put together and doesn't make a lot of sense. But it has some nice little moments, kind of peppered throughout it. And, you know, it has performances from Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston at the centre of it that are really fun. Even though the villains don't make sense and the effects are bad and the director doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> um, but there's a lot to like. Only this is dialed up because it's Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's. I don't think we've actually uh, mentioned this. And it's probably a good, a good place to draw our Ghost Rider discussion to a close. What do you actually think of the finished effect of the Flaming Skull? It looks real enough to me. I think it doesn't. It doesn't look so awful that I'm. I can't accept that this is happening. You know, sometimes yeah, when you're like that, that, just there just is nothing there, and I can't understand the scene because it's it's just rubbish. Like it's it's it's, it's real enough. Um, is he supposed think... to be a full skeleton under his? Like, if you took all the rest of his clothes off, would he be a full skeleton down there? Yeah. Yeah. With mostly fire inside him, but yeah. Yeah, but so would if he was if he was naked Ghost Rider, he would just would be, a skeleton he be a flaming on fire. skeleton. Yeah. Skeleton on fire, yeah. Yeah. It'd be weirder if he was just a normal man with a skull, wouldn't it? Yeah, and bone. Well, I'm hands. just wondering. I'm just wondering <laughs> about the kind of the you know, the actual how come his clothes don't like sag down onto him and why aren't they on fire? Now, here's a better question. Because how can he whistle? F- <laughs> because it's magic, James. Yeah, it is magic. <laughs> well, that is the answer <laughs> to the clothes thing too, isn't it? Well, Black because magic. although, but I was wondering this in the um, in the second film. There's a scene where he's bonding with this kid who might be the Antichrist, and <laughs> the kid says, "What happens if you need to pee when you're Ghost Rider?" And Nicholas Cage said, "Oh, it's awesome. It's like a flamethrower, and it cuts to a visual of Ghost Rider pissing fire for." Lack pretty much the best moment that. of that film. It's pretty awesome, but it kind it's of makes no sense. What I wanted that whole second film to be. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. it, it, yeah, makes it doesn't no make sense. any sense. Does it, it? Why because would the ghost the ghost rider would never need to pee? That is not fair. And where's it coming from? Well, quite exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> If you want to get really nerdy, I think they've shown him in the comics. He sort of just floats in a kind of limbo void type place until he gets out. And sometimes he, you know, begs Johnny to let him out so he can do some vengeance. Right. And, you know, he kind of hears his voice or whatever. I think that's what really happens to him. Oh, I see what you mean. You mean the actual demon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that scene in the movie where he was in the prison and, like... You, he knew he was coming and like Cage starts giggling as soon as he starts taking a kicking and you're like 
You're like, okay, the Ghost Rider's laughing now. He's taken over. He's about to come out. Um, which, again, is pure Cage. Cage should have directed this movie himself. He should have written it, directed it, and done everything because he's Played amazing. every role. I just wish there were more comic book movies that had Nicolas Cage in because we're only going to get yeah. one more opportunity to discuss him properly and that's going to be the sequel. The thing is, like, they just they wouldn't have made this without him anyway. No. Like, no. They should have just lent into it as much as they... Well, they, I mean, they did, especially in the second one. They... They go full cage on it, don't they? Yeah, because he played. He does the the motion capture for the Ghost Rider in the second one, I think. Yeah, exactly. Whereas it's all CGI in the first. Yeah, going back to that last question I asked, that was my problem was that I kind of felt like I entirely lost Nicolas Cage as soon as he became the Ghost Rider. So mm-hmm. as much as I thought the yeah. flaming skull and stuff worked, even just the vo- even if his voice had have still been Nicolas Cage, I'm not sure whether that was Nicolas Cage's voice with lots of effects put on it, but. I would have just liked to have heard him talking in Nicolas Cage's voice while being a flaming skull. I think, I yeah, think that definitely. could have worked. I don't think they should have done anything to Wes Bentley's voice because it undermined that performance as well. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say because Wes yeah. Bentley has a wonderful and very distinctive voice and they just kill it, basically, with effects. James, this is the point where I normally ask you and Seb for a recommendation for just me, but I guess this week I can ask just you to give a ghost recommendation to uh, Sarah and I. We can we, we can both listen to what you think we should be reading of Ghost Rider and go <laughs> off and do it, providing it's not the Robbie Reyes one, in which case Sarah's already read it. So I've got a whole I've got the whole rest of that arc to read. Though. I have literally read the first one, so. <laughs> I kind of find this difficult because there are so many Ghost Rider stories. Like, I think the current vo- Ghost Rider volume is about volume eight or something. And there are just so few really good ones. <laughs> like, the the 70s stuff kind of suffers from being very 70s. And everything since suffers from... As an introduction to the character, they're just trying to strip away everything except the very basic concept. And none of them really stuck. So it's sort of, you know, none of them succeeded in a in a particularly huge way so what i'm gonna go with is what i think was probably the longest incarnation of ghost rider and it was certainly the most popular because it was the version that existed through the 90s uh when i'm not even joking the marvel's four best-selling characters were hulk ghost rider wolverine and the punisher wow um so you know this is the ghost rider that people really loved and it's the the design of ghost rider in the film is based on this version as well okay so this is the 1990 incarnation of ghost rider uh which was written by howard mackey and drawn by Javier Salteres. Uh, okay. You should read the first four issues, which is Ghost Rider Volume 2, Issues 1, 2, 3, and 4. Okay. Okay. Although, James, you said, sort of mentioned in passing earlier, that at one point there's a female Ghost Rider? Yeah. Yes, I'm very interested in this. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I want to follow up on this just because uh, in, when I interviewed Nicolas Cage very briefly, I asked him if he would do a third Ghost Rider movie, and he said that he wasn't interested in doing that, but he would like to see a female Ghost Rider. And I thought, me too, Nicolas Cage, you're right. So, um, yeah. Can we can we just talk about you interviewing Nicolas Cage, Sarah? How, how was it? It was amazing. I had literally, I think, under five minutes with him. And yeah. it was promoting a film that had no interest in whatsoever. But uh, I did basically sit so that my knee was kind of brushing his and just looked at him and was like... <laughs> My God, you're Nicolas Cage and you're real. I'm um, just like looking in his face going, I'm not sure I can form words <laughs> like, in the presence of a higher being. Uh, and he is um, the most articulate person I've ever spoken yes. to in my life. <laughs> he you seems know, like such a lovely, he, friendly man. He, he was so nice. And I'd heard as well that he was um, germ phobic and so not to expect that he would shake my hand, but he did shake my hand. So that was a happy uh. thing. 
Yeah, <laughs> I've never, I've never interviewed him, but I have been in the room as same room as him once, and I just, I was transfixed by his hairline. It's just a, you know, it's, it's one of the wonders of the world. I think it's, uh, it's magnificent. <laughs> James, do you have a female ghost rider for us? Yes, a female ghost rider. Um, it's part of the Fear Itself crossover from a few years back. Uh, basically, she's a woman who she's called Alejandra, and she grew up in a temple in Nicaragua as part of a sort of cult and she takes over as Ghost Rider from Johnny Blaze and like frees him from the curse yeah it didn't last long unfortunately it was kind of you know I'm not sure Nicaraguan temple woman sort of fits in with Ghost Rider's core idea maybe not but that means there's not many of them so I could probably read them all yeah that's true (laughs) <laughs> uh, I just re- I, there's something else I want to say about the 1990 version before we go too far from it okay it's, yeah, it's not Johnny Blaze in that incarnation it is a guy called Dan Ketch who much later on turns out to be Johnny Blaze's brother um, right and he, okay. he is the original second Ghost Rider and again he, like for years Dan Ketch was the Ghost Rider as far as anyone was concerned like i my first ghost rider comic i bought because uh wolverine had one panel appearance in it and i was that much of an x-men right. nerd i was like i'm gonna buy this ghost rider comic and see how he relates to wolverine um <laughs> and yeah like as a comics reader from the 90s dan ketch will always be the ghost rider as far as i'm concerned but marvel has gone much further in the direction of reusing johnny blaze again so Okay, well, that brings us to the end of our Ghost Rider discussion. Uh, But now we move on now to our third section, which is the pitch. So in terms of the running scores, Sarah, Seb really wants you to win this for him. He doesn't have a great record in the pitch, and he really feels like he should have won some last ones. I, I can almost guarantee you that when Seb inevitably listens back to this, he will skip right to the end to this section just to see whether you won for him first before he goes back. So, <laughs> oh God, so much pressure. So no pressure. And, you, and, you know, you'll be doing it for him and his newborn child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I thought it was only fair for this week to keep it very Ghost Rider related. So I want you to forget the idea of a remake or a reboot or anything. I want a new, a new Ghost Rider movie starring Nicolas Cage. So pitch me your idea for <laughs> Ghost Rider 3 starring Nicolas Cage and um, I will decide whose movie I want to make. So Sarah, um, I'll let you go first. So since this is essentially a horror franchise, every sequel needs to be bigger and uh, crazier than the last. So uh, I reckon... Actually, no. So my other idea is that uh, based on this movie, I think that Ghost Rider is functionally immortal. Um, yeah in that he kind of takes a lot of drops to the head and doesn't die. Uh, So basically then, that should mean that he lives forever. Uh, That's what being immortal means. So I reckon we have a Ghost Rider in the future and um, uh, basically set in space. (laughs) That's my pitch. I think Ghost Rider in space on a spaceship. And since it's Nicolas Cage, uh, he's actually going to be on the spaceship version of Con Air and basically going to turn a whole spaceship into a flaming hellfire spaceship. That's my bitch. <laughs> I, I, I like that a lot. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to work, but it's going to be great. <laughs> would his head be able to turn on fire in space? Ah, I've already thought about this. Yes, <laughs> because, right, because it's not fire, is it? It's hellfire. So, oh, it's very true. Uh, given that hellfire can ignite underwater... Um, yeah. As we see when he's fighting the water elemental, I don't see that space should be a problem. I like that you've prepared for every eventuality here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James, are you confident of beating that one? We've essentially got 
Nicolas Cage doing Con Air but Ghost Rider in space in the future. I'm I'm not really <laughs> sure I can to be honest. When you put it like that, <laughs> I just it's hard to beat. Since, it's hard to beat. Like since you mentioned future Ghost Rider, I feel like I should explain that at one point in the mid '90s, Marvel did an imprint called 2099, which was futuristic mm. versions of some of their most popular characters. And there was a Ghost Rider 2099 oh. who was he in space? He was not in space. He was oh, a uh, hacker who <laughs> was killed and resurrected as a ghost rider who had possessed a robot. He was a hacker. He oh was a God. robot ghost rider. Uh, that is so the 90s, isn't it? It was, it was quite cyberpunk, if you can imagine cyberpunk with a mystical, flaming-headed, skull-faced robot. I would encourage anyone anyone to Google Ghost Rider 2099 and just drink in the hilarity of those covers. Ah, uh, that's amazing. So that's so that's not your pitch though, James. <laughs> no. Go, go on. How, how are you going to uh, defeat Sarah's idea? Uh, see, this goes back to my recommendation, which is that my Ghost Rider sequel would feature Dan Ketch and uh, Johnny Blaze, because basically everyone agrees that the best bit of the first film is when he had two Ghost Riders. So my film would centre on Johnny Blaze, who had sort of accepted his role as the Ghost Rider, suddenly realising that there is another Ghost Rider in town and trying to figure out if he's evil or not. And, you know, if he's evil, he has to stop him. And if he's good, he teams up with him to defeat, you know, Satan or someone similar. Uh, Basically, just (coughs) you want as many visuals as you can of two Ghost Riders... Two ghost riders. Riding towards each other, away from each other, sometimes over one another. Just sort of half an hour of that at the end of the film. Okay, so I've got two ideas on my desk here. I've got future <laughs> ghost rider in space, and I've got two ghost riders. Now, I'm bringing you all into a meeting together. <laughs> Guys, are you willing to combine your ideas? So I've got future ghost rider doing Con Air, but also there is a second ghost rider. Yes. Absolutely. Now, who should play him? John Travolta. John Travolta. It's also a face-off. It's also a face-off. Skull off. Ghost Rider 3, skull off. Yes? Yeah? All right, yeah, I'm on board now. Yeah. In which case, um, this week, it's a tie because I love both your ideas and I'm combining them into one. That is amazing. Oh, I want to see that movie so badly. Ghost Rider, skull off. (laughs) Um, Sarah, I think think Seb will probably be perfectly happy that you didn't come in... (laughs) and give, deliver him a straight-out win. But you also didn't come in the first week he was off and, you know, achieve something that he has been a- unable to do recently, which is a win. <laughs> so I think that's I think that was, the, that was the best way that could possibly have turned out. <laughs> and, God, that movie sounds great. <laughs> I, think that, I think that really brings us to the end of the show, though, for this week. So, um, Sarah, I'd just like to say thank you so much for joining us. Um, and I think whenever in the distant future, maybe in 2099, that we get to Ghost Rider <laughs> Spirit of Vengeance, I think that you'll have to come back and discuss that with us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug before we go? Mm, nope. You can no. uh, follow me on Twitter if you would like to talk more about Ghost Rider. I'm at Sarah Dobbs. Yeah, you should do. I'm sure we will be doing that for the next week or so. (laughs) Okay, but that is it for this week's Cinematic Universe. Um, If you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. And if you've already subscribed, then please leave us a rating or review, and we will read out those on our next main episode. You can find out what we'll be discussing on that next episode if you stick around until after the music at the end. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, at CU underscore podcast, or you can send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. And if you've got any ideas for pitch competitions we should have at the end, then definitely send the email those in to us. 
and I'll probably use some on the show because I'm too lazy to come up with them myself. <laughs> um, you can find previous episodes of the podcast on cinematicuniverse.libsyn.com, on panelbeats.co.uk, and because this is a Film Divider podcast on filmdivider.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. You are here because the outside world rejects you. This is your family. I'm your father. I want you all to become full members of the foot. There is a new enemy. Freaks of nature who interfere with our business. You are my eyes and ears. Find them. Together we will punish these creatures. These. Turtles? (laughs) Cinematic Universe returns in two weeks time with 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Heroes in a half shell. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.